read a, a really evocative poem or something, you get the impression that these there is something behind this. There's, a, there's a, I think, to put it the most rationalistic I can, there's a cohesion to the universe. There's not a random chaos to things. The fact that these notes can be played together this way and have this response from me, there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's a, there's a logos. Hello and welcome to the Together podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. My name's Dan and today I'm joined by Emma and Abby. How are you doing guys? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. So today on the podcast we're hearing from Johnny Meller who heads up a Christian art collective called Sputnik. They started out in Birmingham but are now expanding to other cities as well. So Chris spoke to Johnny about the power of art to change the world around us so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, it's time for What in the World? Okay, guys, time for What in the World, where we discuss some of the big talking points from recent news stories. Emma, you're up. What have we got today? Okay, so this is something that I first saw on social media. Um, It's been in the news a bit as well, but basically there have been huge fires across the Amazon rainforest, and they've actually been the biggest since 2010. Um, The fires were believed to have been started by farmers looking to clear land for crops or grazing, which has now been linked to the meat industry. Um, And this is being reported, obviously, as an environmental catastrophe. Um, So what are your thoughts on it all? and what can we do to make change so I think it um obviously reflects on our um increasing unsustainable demand for meat we all love to eat meat sometimes three meals a day but that means that where does the meat come from and unfortunately our gorgeous rainforest is being destroyed because we want more meat that's quite a hard lifestyle change to ask people to make don't know if you've tried and tell my brother that he shouldn't have me. It's like, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world. He thinks I'm crazy. But um, that's ultimately what it comes down to, isn't it? We just want to eat it all the time. Yeah. I, th- I think this is a really good indication of how the meat industry impacts climate change. Because quite often I struggle to get my head around it and other people do as well. Of like, okay, so is that about how once uh, you... Uh, you have the cow, you have the meat, then you mm. transport it in a lorry from one end of the UK to the other and the carbon emissions from that. Um, that's obviously a part of it, but the bigger part is the deforestation that they need to graze the cattle, um, mostly in South America, and the the lack of uh, trees and the loss of trees and the loss of uh, the forest, which means that less carbon dioxide is being absorbed, which means it has a bad impact on the climate. And I think... You know, we're we're just starting to see now how uh, people are understanding the severe impact of what's happening in the Amazon on the the climate and the impact that has on people all over the world, but obviously people living in poverty more than most. Yeah, it's one of those big issues, isn't it, where it's like, actually, this is so huge that just like one quick response isn't actually enough. Like we have to look at the whole attitude that we have towards eating, towards sustainability, towards eating seasonally um, and that kind of comes over time and over generations but I think we're we're a generation who can start setting that from now mm. like we can demand more sustainable produce by always choosing the most sustainable option or kind of eating seasonally making those foods the most popular in that time 
Um, Because at Tear Fund, we have like projects, don't we, that help train people in different types of produce to create? Yes, I guess the key is in in Brazil, there's farmers in the meat industry who are just trying to make a living. And it's, you know, maybe what their family have always done. It's what they've grown up. It's what they learned to do. um, And they're they're doing it so that they can provide for themselves and provide for their families. So it's it's about empowering them to look at other options that might not be as harmful as the environment as the, the current um, the current meat industry. And so that's that's looking at enterprise, um, that's looking at different farming techniques and different um, products. And so TFN does do some work um, on the ground with young people just trying to uh, help them kind of implement their own ideas about how they can be sustainable financially and how, how they can make money for their families and for their communities that doesn't involve some of some of what they're doing already, some mm. of what the farmers are doing already. That's really good. I think there's something in it as well for us today about raising awareness because, um, you know, there's 2,500 fires and this is a huge issue in the Amazon at the moment. It's um, crazy just to think about, isn't it? Because obviously we see this in the news, but there's right now there are 2,500 fires in the Amazon. Yeah. What does that mean, though? Like 2,500 separate fires? Yeah, yeah, separate fires. And do they not like join together? That's how big the Amazon is, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Spans countries, doesn't it? And that's what we that's what we were talking about before, isn't it? That actually no one's talking about there's rainforest in the surrounding countries to Brazil, including Bolivia, but no one's talking about the fires in Bolivia. We're talking about Brazil because I don't know about you guys, but I grew up from David Attenborough and, and all of that, being really passionate about the rainforest. But I always attributed that to the country of Brazil and forgot that actually this is an issue that's much bigger than that um but there's a lot that we can do to raise awareness this all started on social media mm-hmm. and it's a powerful tool to tell people about issues all around the world and there's lots that we can do to say actually that's you know the fires here are 80 percent bigger than they normally are every year and mm-hmm. that is going to have an impact on biodiversity on animals but also people who live and survive on the rainforest um and just think about all of that amazing information that we just haven't scratched the surface that's in the trees and the animals and the creatures that live in that place and we're losing it because Mm. we're not doing we're not acting fast to do something about it yeah people have said that it's like they're saying we're reaching a tipping point Mm. do you think like we've already reached the tipping point what do you think i think obviously the fact that there's more fires now this year than there were previously means that it gets more awareness but i also it it feels to me like there's more understanding of the situation now than there was even two or three years ago where people are putting two and two together and saying, well, the fires in the Amazon mean it has this detrimental impact on the environment. Mm. And I just don't think that was around a few years ago. I think people would have been uh, rightly concerned about wildlife preservation and all of the different species that live in the Amazon. But the uh, the kind of priority of climate change as a issue in society now means that people see that and they actually get worried about it and they actually think oh, I've got to do something. Whereas a few years ago, it, I don't think they would have made that link. So I, I think it really is a tipping point, and I think it's it's um, obviously a terrible situation, but good to see it being discussed at a, a world kind of political level and also in the media as well. Mm. Yeah, I definitely think it would be good to 
see more news on what you're saying that could have it, more coverage on the fires in Bolivia and there's fires in Angola and the DRC as well at the moment that are actually apparently even bigger um and I think because we're a kind of generation aren't we that if we don't see something then it's not happening like mm. we just it's think that it's to us yeah and I think that's because so much is now visible to us so mm. we're so well connected with social media and with the internet and we can get news so fast that we think that we know everything that's important because mm. we're like oh if it's important I'll know about it but actually then when we're not shown it in the media then we're like oh it, it must not really be a problem so actually it's so important for us to continue speaking up about and mm-hmm. um, mm. these issues and keep on bringing it to the forefront of people's attention so what are the things that we can do here in the uk do you reckon if Mm. you were to give advice to somebody who says okay this is happening in the amazon halfway around the world i feel a bit powerless because i'm so disconnected from that but i can see it what what can we do in our everyday Mm. life to try and make an impact in that situation i would say the first thing is to actually do something i think it's very you know, if, if you're listening to this and you you have that heart feeling, that gut feeling that um, you're not okay with this, actually go and do something about it. Um, that's so much part of the battle is that we read the things and we scroll past them, but making the action is what is so important and what brings real glory to God and the work that we do is so great. Um, and then I said there's really something in, like we said before, about the food that we eat, the, the what we actually consume is so important. The aisles of the supermarket and what happens in that supermarket is so important to climate change and to the world around us. So what we put in our trolleys and what we buy, not only the packaging that it sits in, the country it's from, whether it's fair trade, whether it's organic, it can all seem like such a massive decision and really overwhelming. But I just say, start with one thing. So walk into a supermarket and decide that you're only going to buy what's currently in season, which is a huge issue. The rainforest is a microclimate, means it can grow food all year round, the same food. Um, And we have a demand for avocados all year round, even when they're not in season, and tomatoes and strawberries. Actually, how about we go, it's the month of, it's, you know, autumn's coming into autumn now, what's autumnal produce look like? And only eating seasonal. And then once you feel like, okay, I've done that, I feel confident with eating seasonal, then think, okay, but how can I now focus on fair trade or organic? And those step-by-step changes. And then before you know it, you'll be eating a diet that's really healthy for the climate. Yeah, that's good. I would say um, another thing that we could do, I think, is acknowledge the influence that we all have. So definitely like speaking up on social media and raising awareness and not even just on social media, but just in your friendship circles or with other generations that may not really be as familiar with this or think of it as much of an issue. Um, But I think alongside that knowing the power of your influence so it's important to say what are you going to do about it so I think just sharing a post on social media isn't really going to bring about tangible change but actually you could share the post and then say alongside this I'm going to now commit to not eating meat for a year or I don't know Mm. set yourself a challenge um and yeah, there's real accountability in that yeah. as well because your mates will ask you about it mm. after and you're like, oh no, I ate chicken this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would say raise awareness but have integrity with that and put yeah. action with it. Mm. And I love as well, the, in terms of raising awareness, it's 
you see people giving up meat or having meat-free Mondays, those are conversation starters. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, oh, you, you've stopped eating meat. Why have you stopped eating meat? And then just having an understanding of, of how that links to a situation like the Amazon makes it so much real, so much more real for the people that you're talking to uh, about the impact of your actions on something that's happening on the other side of the world and it inspires others as well, which is great. So there's loads to think through there, but what do you guys think about the Amazon fires? Let us know by getting in touch on Instagram at We Are Tear Fund. We'd love to hear your responses, but also are you guys doing anything specific in response to kind of bridge that gap between what's happening here and what's happening on the other side of the world? We'd love to know your ideas. But for now, listen in as we join Chris and Johnny talking about art, justice and changing the world. Johnny Meller, I'm a church leader in Birmingham, also run a network of Christian artists called Sputnik. Cool, so we were just talking, and we know, we've know we known each other for a while now, right? Yeah, a few years. For a few years. I don't know when, three, four years? Yeah. I came across you online, I heard your music, your voice <laughs> came to my ears. <laughs> Floating on the wind. And um, yeah, I was like, I think... I, you'd introduced me to like a, another artist who you'd worked with and stuff. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, these people seem interesting. They're like, <laughs> they're Christians who do art, but they do it well. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that bit. <laughs> so like, what does that mean to you? What does doing it well mean? What, I mean, we were even saying just a second ago, like, definitions, like, what even do you consider art? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think working as a Christian in the arts, I suppose, and particularly in a church context, um, found quite in my life generally I'd known this but I think particularly came to a head when just trying to define an arts movement who who are we serving properly and things like that the definition became really important yeah and, and my my take would be that within within the Christian circles I move in anyway um, there is a misunderstanding essentially of what what art is and it comes I, I think where I'm at, at the moment would be it comes from a an equating art and creativity as exactly the same thing um, and sometimes people use this both Christians and yeah. not Christians they call artists creatives don't they yeah. and I'm not saying you sh- people shouldn't do that but I think that's interesting because if by that you're saying an artist is just a creative person that's all there's nothing else to it just creativity mm-hmm. I think that's where I, I guess I would differ and I, th- I think many artists the artists who are performing what they do at any sort of level of recognition in the world around us anyway and probably work that leaves a mark it has more to it than creativity there's more going on there yeah which is really interesting because while a long time ago now I think it was our second episode we spoke to Michael Bournet who's a spoken word artist and um, he was talking about this kind of idea of that if you're creative or not even necessarily if you are creative but this idea of creativity as a practice yeah so almost like someone who goes someone who goes to play basketball yeah they're not going to stand there and go, I'm a basketballer. Yeah. They're not going to be like, I'm, I'm an NBA star. It's like, no, I'm just playing yeah. basketball. So is that the same thing for you in terms yeah, yeah. of the distinction? Or, or a Christian who likes, I like it when people are healthy. They don't call themselves a doctor, <laughs> do they? Like, um, but for me, I, I guess it would be, I think creativity is very important. Obviously, that would be really stupid to say otherwise. But I think the, the aspect that people miss is, is, the, uh, is a couple of other C's really, is communication, mm. I think is very, very important. And, I think art functions as this super form of communication, very mm. unique. Um, it, I think it was Archie Collingwood, the philosopher, talks about art, art real, real art, if you can call it that. Mm. Uh, it communicates this emotional charge. It communicates not just to your 
head, but also to your emotions in a way that's kind of it's hard, very hard to understand. And yeah. I think creativity is all good. I think creativity, just to be aware, I think creativity and Christian creative movements and things like very they serve a real purpose yeah. in. Uh, helping us to process, helping us through different, sometimes through traumas and things like that, uh, helping us um, some catharsis involved as well. But it's self-expression, essentially. If you want to communicate in the way that art can communicate, you can't just rely on being creative and having a spark. You need to learn. Uh, the other C I'd use is craftsmanship. And, yeah. and the idea of the craftsman, the hours, the 10,000 hours thing, you know, people say to get good at something, you need to put 10,000 yeah, yeah. hours in. Now I'm not going to split hairs on numbers but I, I think there's a there's a real truth in that 9,607 you're not, you're not in okay put in a bit more um, what happens when you get to the 10,000 you just stop you just you you cease to exist <laughs> but I, I think there's a for many there's this idea that um, oh no no those 10,000 hours that's a complete waste if you're the finished article already obviously in yeah. Christian settings oh well you're very useful now in, in certain Christian Christian forums for doing certain things. Yeah. But if you get someone who's in the middle of their 5,000 hours, the usual sense would be you're wasting your time. Yeah. Why don't you join the worship band or why don't you yeah. lead a life group or something like that? And I, I think that appreciation of craft, which I think also involves another thing, which is entering a discipline as well. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that you do lots of stuff loads. You also do the right things. And that comes from, I think, in my opinion, would be standing on the shoulders of the real giants. And that means sitting cross-legged at the feet of the greats in your art form. You have to enter the discipline. You have to, that's first of all, a respect for the discipline, which again, I think is problematic when for for a lot of times, for many Christians, they would look at artistic disciplines and they might want to pick bits from them, but they would have not have respect Mm. for the people who are at the heart of those disciplines. And maybe for reasons that you'd understand that moral uh, mm-hmm. differences uh, kind of very hedonistic lifestyles all mm-hmm. that and, and lyrics and a vibe that's not edifying would be a word mm-hmm. to use isn't it but there's no two ways about it if you want to be an artist you you have to engage you have to know the masters you have to get get inside those things now maybe you're not going to be listening to that stuff all the time or looking at that stuff all the time but you have to be aware of them you have to have studied them yeah and uh, and that's in the mix as well. And so I, I think it's, for me, art is about creativity, but also communication, which comes from craftsmanship. Interesting. Um, and so anything I say about art and artists, um, I'll be talking about that. And yeah. It's not transferable just to, oh, I'm creative, therefore I can do all these things. That's not the case. Art has this magic power almost yeah. to do a load of stuff that's very, very important for yeah. Christians, I think. Uh, creativity has another power to do certain things, but I'm talking about it differently. That's how, I think that's how I'd put it. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Let's let's dive into that uh, communication aspect of it, which I think is really interesting because we had uh, Rich De Castiglione. I think I said your name correctly. <laughs> I struggled with that. <laughs> but we had him on the podcast uh, not too long ago talking about David's tent, talking about worship. Yeah. And he said something that was quite interesting to me. He talked about uh, worship, songwriting even, songwriting as a service, rather than as a kind of self-expression, ego-led thing. So how does that sit with you in terms of, if we think about art generally, particularly from Christians, do we have this kind of responsibility for art to fulfil some sort of service? Yeah, I I guess there's the two meanings of the word service coming here. I think in one sense, I say yes. In another sense, I say yes, but maybe no. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) I guess there's a feeling of utilitarianism within Christianity, which is completely understandable and in many cases right, in that we 
churches, for example, or other Christians. We want to use our time well. We, we realise our time on earth is limited. We realise we want to use the resources as churches for the church I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a leader. We want to use our resources well. And that means we don't just do anything. We ask the question, what's the purpose? What, what does it mm-hmm. do? What does it achieve? Um, and often those need to be measurable things, you know. That, that's just the way it is. I think when we... But that leads across into other areas of life where it's not taking a utilitarian view actually kills things. Mm. And I think within the within the arts, if we're talking about services, what service will you provide for us? And that is the way often I think art is viewed. And so, for example, if your artistic skill is useful in uh, helping devotional practices within the church congregation mm-hmm. or helping outreach and evangelism, then it is valid. It's worthwhile. Please keep doing it. We will even yeah. pay you for that sort of thing. If it's not doing those specific things, um, then it's not... We won't pay you, but also it's not valid. It, mm. it, it, it's something you should grow up out of and not do. Um, because I, I think, in linking with the word interest, interestingly, I think service is what we do in that as Christians, we're called to love. We're always called to love. At the bottom line, why do we do anything? We call to love our neighbour. I mean, yeah. Jesus, Paul, both Jesus and Paul boiled down every commandment in the Bible to that, essentially. Love love God first for Jesus, but the two, uh, two come crash into each other. Yeah. Uh, really and that means for the artist I, I agree with your your friend for the writer for the painter essentially if we ask the question why am i doing this the answer must be out of love we, yeah. we, we love we, we love people now there might be more going on I, I need to get these feelings out you might not be consciously thinking i love people so i will make this yeah. song or picture um but there must if if you're doing it for your own aggrandizement or your own so you feel better about yourself. Is that's mm. really the bottom line? Mm. I think it's really important to step back and because actually Jesus called us to love. And I think art, one of the reasons, the main reason I think art is important, although there are other reasons, is it's a way of enriching society and community. It's of helping other human beings yeah. uh, and enriching their lives, which is a way of loving yeah. people and a very important way of loving people and a way which Christians haven't proactively loved people in, yeah. in my lifetime uh, in the tradition of church that I'm in, I suppose. Yeah. So there is that very, like, very, like, straightforward kind of, is this piece of art loving towards the person who's listening? Mm. And then there's also kind of like, is this piece of art uh, loving in the sense that it is speaking into a situation, speaking on on a on a issue or something going on in the world that kind of sheds light on that in an artistic way? Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess so we could see. Do you mean as in terms of the the specific content shows love, or the act itself yeah. shows love? Yeah, I I think both things are important. I, I'd probably push back a bit on the the second one, although I agree with it. Mm-hmm. In that I think when people think again of art, particularly in the context maybe of activism, say for example, uh, people think, well, this is that would be a very loving. Thing. We're speaking into this injustice in the world, mm-hmm. um, and this social to, to bring social or political change in a positive way in this area, mm-hmm. and therefore as a Christian. So again, there might be a feel, oh well, if Christians are doing that, that type of art's really valid. I actually think again we need to be careful about how we we pigeonhole that sort of stuff because I think if we if we define love simply in the we're going to fix this issue or, or this, we can just end up becoming becoming preachy, shouting mm. on a particular issue and really becoming advertisers for an opinion. Yeah. And even if that opinion is correct, uh, like human trafficking is wrong, I'm going to make some up about that. And I, yeah. I think I, I think we would, by the way, we could say, say I think that's the correct opinion. This yeah. thing is wrong. 
if you don't have love in the way that you do it, what you end up doing is shouting and hectoring and not bringing an empathy and a nuance to what you're doing. Yeah. That actually you might, you, people might in a way surfacely agree with your work or like, yes, we, we all agree this, this is good. Yeah. And it might even get some people who weren't so sure to agree more, but it's not going to win hearts because you can tell if someone loves people yeah. and, and to love to love people, I, th- I think there's something about the best art that has this generosity of spirit that is very clear on what's right and wrong, has a very clear agenda that way, but also can can humanise not just the victim, but the victimizer, yeah. and still make a clear point. And I think it's that kind of thing and the things that resonate most clearly, not in any way excusing wickedness yeah. or evil, but just you understand the human experience. You are just like in an argument. If I If I disagree with somebody... And then think and think you disagree with me. Therefore, you must be evil or stupid, which seems yeah. to be the way to go. Yeah. You know, I'll never understand. We'll, we'll just polarize every, everything. We'll never understand really where we where we stand or why the person thinks that. And I think yeah. good art should do that. And so, therefore, I, I don't know if that fully links, but I'd be more on the side for love of, in the whole practice of what you do. And it sounds real hippie, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I live this out or others live this out. But it, it, it should come from a genuine heart of. I want to bless. I want to serve, which involves not just speaking, but listening, which yeah. is really important. Um, and the whole manner in which you practice what you do, not just your, your audience isn't the only important thing. What about the people you're making art with? What about mm. the people who are facilitating your art? The, if you're in a band, uh, the the sound person, the, yeah. the promoter, those that's really important. And, and actually as Christians, we're called to show love in all of those things, I think. And I, I know for me personally, I've fallen short on that before yeah, in my own yeah. practice where I've been like, audience, change the world. I want to, <laughs> this issue is really important. And I've been rude to the sound man or I've dissed the promoter. Or, yeah, yeah. I and there's this disconnect that I didn't even spot. It's like, no, no, this should, is this really, essentially really probably what I was acting out was this was about me. I, yeah, I wanted yeah. to have a voice. I wanted to have a name. And I think we've got to be real. That's a real temptation. We've got to fight it. For sure. Yeah. So I feel like that is kind of, like you said, at the odds of every artist practice is this kind of this battle with ego and kind of love and, yeah. and the art, piece of art itself kind of allowing that to yeah. just exist. Right. Um, I read ages quite a while ago. Uh, I think you wrote it actually. Uh-huh. On the this website. is great to be quoted back. <laughs> but it was about uh, Studio Ghibli versus Disney. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of about, uh, is there space <laughs> for gray areas and this kind of idea of, Actually, if all we're ever doing is just reproducing the ultimate good is good and the ultimate bad yeah. is bad, then it's missing out on a lot of kind of nuance, like you just said. Um, and so within that, I mean, it made me think about even the way we we display things like poverty. Hmm. So I think it's, I think it's definitely calmed down over the years. Where this whole idea of poverty porn of mm. like we're mm. going to show you the starving kid mm. flies around them, etc. Yep. But actually, as you said, is that the most loving thing? Yeah. And so as we move forward into trying to do the most loving thing, is that where the nuance comes from? Is that where knowing people who are living that experience and being able to allow them to share their story as opposed to tell their story for them? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. On the actual practical how do we do it, it's easy. I'd be the same. I could easily point out this is what I, do. I did. You've done this, and this doesn't work for me. This is kind of like exploited. I'm not not saying that's exploited, but I think yeah. can can look in that sort of way. I, I think it is about are we? 
It is our art simply to give an answer to a question or is it to raise more questions, mm. really? And I, I think this this would be the same in activism, but also in evangelism for art. So mm. the idea that, that um, I, th- I think I'm not going off track, I think the two things are linked in, in that the, the classic evangelistic model of you write the book... Uh, the book, the main character, they might, you know, they might make a few mistakes that goes on, but they become a Christian at the end, and then at the end, the final page is a prayer to become a Christian, you yeah. know, and and that's a a, a valid piece of art, or mm. in that way, from a Christian perspective, um, essentially, it's propaganda. That that's what it is. If we, if a Christian, we saw anybody else do something like that, that we wouldn't class it in the same bracket. Mm. And I think the problem is, is we're so focused on we've got something to tell you. Therefore, we will package it. The bedside is very well packaged. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a place for stuff like that. I, I think propaganda is quite an emotive word. Marketing, if we called it like that, mm. there is a place for, for marketing. Um, I think when it comes to activism, just saying, I'm, I know this opinion. I'm sure this opinion. I want to communicate this opinion to you. I think there is a place. There are definitely artists who've done that to a high standard and who have yeah. very well respected over the years. Um, yet, for, I guess for me personally, I'm drawn to more of a, a nuanced approach, which is why I'm not working in marketing, I suppose, of like, I, I like art that raises the question. I, I think art is not about giving answers, essentially. Yeah. it It's about raising more, raising questions or raising the right questions and nudging in directions, but also exposing, exposing how things are where they should be different. Yeah. And it, uh, for Christians, I, I think particularly, we know that things should be different to how they are. Yeah. And um, we feel that deeply. How can we present, but we don't want to then twist the world as it is mm. to fit in with our ideology. We, we want to say, now this is the world, but behind it, we have this worldview that everything's jarred, everything's slightly off. Do you not yeah. think that's funny? And, but this thing here, this thing, there's hope here. There's this, uh, And we expose those things, the things that almost how the world should be. Yeah. While we don't shy away from how the world is, we don't make it better than it is. We don't make it worse than it is. Yeah. We say, this is it. And this is how it is. And you, then I'm going to leave this with you. You come up with what you're going to do about it, yeah. which is, and I know obviously there's, there's links between advertising and art, artistry. And obviously that's the case, whether it be uh refugee crisis and fo- photos of, of, uh, of, of kids washed up on the beach and stuff. Yeah. There's an, it's a horrific artistry, but it's very powerful in, in the exposing. Look, you saw this in another context. You didn't see, here's a face to the suffering. Yeah. And that's the call to action. And I think, I'm not saying that's not art, but I'm just saying, I think it's, that's probably, in my mind, an unusual type of art. I think yeah. art's more about raising the question than delivering you with a neat answer and then telling you what to do. Okay, um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What is art able to do that other forms of communication can't then? Because as you rightly said, like mm. Christians kind of presenting this idea that the world that we live in doesn't feel like yeah. it should be, like as it should be. So then that Christian has a choice to speak to friends about it, write something about yeah. it, or create some art about it. Yeah. What is art? What is the utility? What is the no, I don't want to just treat art as something yeah. just for to be used, but but why is it important? Almost, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it comes back to how art communicates in a unique way. In that, I think it is the head and heart thing. You can you can experience a piece of art that has a message to it, even if it's just interwoven in subtly in some way that you may not actually rationally agree with the message, but you feel you're your heart warmed to the message by the piece of work and by the way everything's constructed. There's that, that influence, that power, seductive power almost Mm. of a piece of art 
that I think is really unusual. I don't think there are many, many things that do it. When something's mm. sung to you, it affects you, your emotions, not just it has content to it, but it does both things. And, mm-hmm. and I think it, when you look at the his, history of ideas and how ideas are passed down from academia to uh, your general plebs, your, your populace, you know, all of yeah. us, um, I think art usually has a very key role. And so an, an image I often use, which would be kind of taken from um, Christian thinker Francis Schaeffer, would be of, uh, if you imagine a staircase, and at the top of the stairs, you've got the big thinkers, you know, yeah. like the John Paul Sartres and the the, the philosophers, they're, they're kind of the guys who... And the ladies who write at university mm-hmm. and they write a bit in German every now and again and <laughs> footnotes and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you've got them at the top of the stairs. And the bottom of the stairs, you've got normal people. And the, the interesting thing is the ideas from the top of the stairs definitely influence the people at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. But the, the question is, how? How does it work? Because the, the on the whole, most of the people at the top of the stairs are not stooping down to write populist uh, novels or yeah. making easily digestible kind of... Uh, their content easily digestible and also the people at the bottom says are not going to the top of the stairs yeah. even if you've gone to uni you forget what they've done <laughs> yeah. within about five minutes so how does it happen and, and I think uh, the idea holds when you look at different ideas one of the key ways it happens is uh, artists if you think of the artists in the middle of the stairs they are people who engage with the big ideas mm. and they hold a worldview and they pass it down the the stairs to the bottom in a much more palatable form that doesn't just mean it's easily understandable, but it's also attractive to mm. people. Um, and so because of that, art then has an incredible, that a place in human culture as regards the, the communication tra- and transmission of ideas that causes huge social change and, and is part, is part of that process. And so if, if someone was to ask, why is art important? I would say at one point, well, that that's pretty important that's yeah. a, that's a big deal um but i'm i think there are complexities with how we put that into practice but i think there's a bigger picture thing that that would be one of the reasons anyway yeah how, is there any examples for yourself of like a piece of art uh that's kind of left an impact on you personally oh that's a that's a big one piece <laughs> I, mean, I hope that i hope that the the art i engage in would be leaving an impact all the time that would be the case i I guess there's that kind of the mix of entertainment. You get this when you watch I watch on Netflix today. Like, uh, <laughs> is do I want to be entertained or do I want to be made to think? I, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. And again, there is a big. There's an overlap probably between entertainment, well, definitely between entertainment and art. I'm just trying to think of of specifics. I, I just think back, um, just exactly how this worked a number of times in my life when I've been kind of in a in a bad place mentally or emotionally, yeah. and have have been. Have been got hold of, pulled out of it by mm. by artistic product. I think of a specific time was uh, years ago where, where a band, one of my favorite bands, called the Mountain Goats uh, guys, not not Christians. Uh, yeah. John Donne have a very interesting relationship with faith. But I don't th- I don't think he would call himself a Christian. Although I, I don't want to be I don't want to get that wrong, John. If you're if you're listening, <laughs> but um, they did an album. Uh, interestingly, on it was all the songs on Bible verses, uh, Life of the World to Come. But from a from a different perspective, from at least the, the visions I'd hang out with, and some of the songs that I just think of one particularly that just it had a kind of grit about a determination. Mm. It's like I'm gonna keep on going, and I'm gonna just go back and go again. And I just remember that gripping me and like pulling me out, like in the sands, mm. pulling me out of the mire. <laughs> it was yeah. a gift from God for me. Um, and I have to think of loads, loads of that at specific times. Other things I think have just helped me keep thinking mm. uh, in different ways that I hope are more human. 
um, questioning some of my presuppositions, leading me onwards, just making my intellectual and imaginative life more more vivid, which I think is also a real service that's helped me, hopefully, not to get back into those <laughs> darker yeah. places so often, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, imagination is really important, right? Because as, I mean, in the We Are Tear Fund community, we're very, uh, we aspire to be very aware of what's happening mm. around the world. But obviously, it's impossible to be everywhere. I mean, we can watch news reports, mm. but experiencing it's very different. Even like you said with the the photo yeah. of the Syrian boy washed up on shore, which was tragic, hit completely differently than a news report about there's a refugee crisis. Mm. I guess what I kind of want to dive into is what is it about imagination that is so important to yeah. see to even seeing the beginning of change. Yeah, I think we've we've bought a a half truth uh, in Western culture um, that life is all about reason. It, it, that we can work everything out through our reason. Everything is rationally can be broken down to rational pieces in that sort of way. And uh, both in society through the Enlightenment, I think through the Reformation, I think there's a degree in which the Church has done that as well. And my understanding it would be that within the church context, pre, pre-Reformation, pre there would have been problems with them. The imagination was running wild a bit. People were mm. finding women who were doing something and burning them as witches, like <laughs> yeah. on just a whim, on a superstition. <laughs> and it was like, your imagination is going wild. We need to curb this enthusiasm. Yeah. I think some of that was involved, which is a, a good, I think we'd think that's a good curbing of enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> but then the answer was, okay, then everything to do with imagination is bad. And... Everything to do with reasons good, and I think uh, in the last fifty years in in Western culture, anyway, we kind of started to see cracks in that that idea. Mm. I think for all of the kind of maybe the new atheist stuff that came out years ago, where they fought really hard, as hard as they could fight for no, it can everything can be explained by science. Everything can mm. be brought down to a rash reason. Um, it's just people. It, it's water off a duck's back. For many people now, that's not a issue. No, of course it's not. There's there's more mm. to this. And then I think the imagination as an important part of the human being. We need to recognise that we are imaginative and rational people. And to actually grasp reality, mm. we need to have a vivid imaginative life as well as a as a grounded rational life. Mm. Um, and I I think. I think, therefore, to, we, we've got to have a... First of all, we've just got to have a good idea of what those two things are and how they function us, which I, if someone asks me, well, how do you do that then? How does that equation work? Mm. I'd probably then facetiously say, ah, oh, that's a very rational way of approaching <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to answer that question. Yeah, but yeah. I think uh, there's some really interesting... A poet called Malcolm Guite, who's, um, I think, an Anglican priest. Is, he's uh, spoke, I know, on another podcast, the Nomad podcast, oh, yeah, which is yeah. some great... Uh, uh, it's a great podcast. Uh, I heard a thing he talked recently about imagination and reason within uh, Christianity, modern yeah. uh, Christianity in the UK. Fantastic on, on this. Yeah. Um, the role of poetry within that in, in inciting our imaginations. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the original question was. But <laughs> I, like, I like the topic of imagination and reason. So yeah, <laughs> please, please drill in if you need to. <laughs> no, I feel that's great. I think um, imagination is really, it's a really interesting thing because to want to see the world different, mm. you need to imagine it differently. Yeah, yeah, right. And so... You've talked about art as kind of one of its roles in making us question. Mm. Would you say another one of its roles is helping us imagine? So I wouldn't, but you would. That's really good. <laughs> you should be doing this interview. That's really good. I think make us imagine. Yeah, even what you just said, I'm just still 
hooked on. That's really good. I think imagination helps us to see the world different. I, I agree with that. That's yours. Yeah. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark Chris. I got it. He's got it. That's good. Um, yeah, I I think there's there's also I, with none of these things I'm I'm trying not to reduce it, it to any one thing. Of course. There's a there's a brilliant paper brought out by um Pope John Paul II. I, I can't remember the exact year, but it was uh, towards the end of the 20th century mm-hmm. and it was a letter to artists uh, I think that's what it was called and he he talked about how the, the function of art function inverted commas I suppose uh, was to incite wonder really and mm. and to give these kind of just glimpses that there's more to life than this that mm. that essentially the world cannot be reduced to the uh, materialistic model it's not just what you can see touch hear, taste, smell, mm. there's something between the cracks of things. I mean, again, I'm, I'm using my own language, you didn't talk about that, but he, wonder for him was very important. Yeah. And I think it links in with what you said about imagination. This idea that when you hear uh, a beautiful piece of music or when you read a, a really evocative poem or something, you get the impression that these there is something behind this. There's, a, there's I think, to put it the most rationalistic I can, there's a cohesion <laughs> To the universe, there's not yeah. a random chaos to things. The fact that these notes can be played together in this way and have this response from me, there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's a there's a logos to yeah. use a nice Bible word, and actually in that it it leads us to kind of it, out of our rationalistic materialistic cage almost. Yeah. To, to, there must be more to this, and even you'll find um, many many people who profess to be atheists who 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 love art saying, "Look, this is the thing that shakes my atheism." It's not yeah, your argument. Yeah. It's it's that symphony. It's that. Uh, it's that poem. It just seems to suggest there's a meaning to yeah. things uh, because of the. There's an order to that work, which yeah. I, in my worldview, says there's a chaos. Though everything's chaos, yeah. essentially, and randomness. That doesn't square with how I respond to Beethoven's. Yeah, symphony. Or, I mean, but interestingly, it's not always the order that because this is very. This sounds very beautiful, mm. but it's not always beautiful art that kind of does this. Like you can have very. Mm abrasive art that is very difficult to, to engage yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't, don't want to be misunderstood at all. I, I think with that, though, and we, we, we may differ on this, I don't know, I think the, the abrasive art um, almost, it brings out, it's either by contrast or by bringing out very, very abrasive, and then suddenly a moment comes in, even if it's just a moment of order, yeah. it highlights the order um, yeah. in it. I, I heard a really uh, interesting talk recently, I think I probably subscribed to this, is the, the idea of the artist being a prophetic fulfilment of um, our call as human beings in the creation mandate in Genesis. So yeah. the idea you've got in Genesis 1, that, that God comes to a, a, a situation of chaos. It, it's formless and void, yeah. I think, or formless and empty. It's lacks, it lacks life and it lacks order. And what he does is he brings order and life that, that that's what he does to the chaos he orders the chaos and fills it with life and this guy put a very persuasive case saying, well this is what artists do we mm. we, we bring we, we see the chaos of all these different sounds that are going on the musician brings them together in a sense of 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 a cohe- there's a cohesion to it and there was a friend there actually we were talking and he is an artist he said no no i love i love chaos i love exploring <laughs> chaos and i was i kind of had that slightly <laughs> anarchic sensibility sometimes as well but actually as we talk we realized we don't it's not that we love chaos we we want to almost by highlighting some elements of chaos in the work we are we are saying there's an order that needs to be brought to this we're yeah. highlighting the chaos it makes you feel uncomfortable yeah. bring it back to, to this and then it's the juxtaposition of colours it's the juxtaposition of lines it's the juxtaposition of juxtaposition I'll enunciate 
of sounds. Yeah. Um, and I like that idea. I, th- I think I I need to think about it more, but I, I think there's something about that. Yeah. Um, because it's def- I definitely wouldn't want the idea of beauty as the center of art as well, I think is problematic, within, yeah. especially within Christian circles, because people tend to see beauty as how you define beauty in a certain cultural context, yeah. which then becomes kitsch or it becomes outdated, which is why you've got um, people say, oh, that picture is beautiful. Well, actually, it's just 30 years ago, <laughs> someone might have thought that was a style that was then. Yeah. But actually, it's now irrelevant to most of the audience and no one, other people are looking at wanting to vomit. Like, yeah. um, I think, and there's an unrealism about a lot of stuff that Christians think is beautiful because it has nothing of the earth in it. It has wow. what they think is all of heaven in it. Where our model of beauty as Christians is a uh, uh, naked, tortured Jewish man dying, bleeding on a cross. Yeah. That, that's the centre of Christian beauty, yeah. which must include the earthy and the ugly and the beautiful and the transcendent. That was the end of part one of Chris's conversation with Johnny. What stood out to you guys? Um, I love that art just challenges the status quo in society. It makes us think differently, makes us push boundaries um, by either pointing us towards, you know, a better possible world um, or actually pointing us towards the problems in the world that we just try to ignore. Art has a way of kind of raising it to the forefront, making us really face issues and face problems that we do just try and walk away from. Um, and it's great that Sputnik have been trying to, um, that's in their heart and their vision behind it, and trying to do exactly that by raising the profile of issues, but also pointing us towards what's to come and what is better and the hope that we have. Yeah, definitely. I like the bit uh, talking about the difference between political art that is heckling people and loving people. Mm. I just feel like in today's political climate, with all of the division going on and the difference of opinion and how it can actually be quite argumentative, creating political art that's loving people and creating links between communities and bridges between people is so important in terms of bringing change rather than just heckling. Totally. I really liked what um, they said about art being a way of enriching people's lives because it's so true like my life has been so enriched by art and I always love that quote it reminds me of the one that I said but they were I saw it but when it's like the earth without art is just air it's so true so, say that again so the, uh, <laughs> the word earth oh, yeah. Okay, A-R-T-H yeah without art so without yeah, the in the middle it's just air <laughs> that's so good and it's true I've not heard that before wow feeling enriched bringing the insight <laughs> well that's it for this episode thank you everyone for listening if you like what you heard today make sure you subscribe and tell people about the Together podcast <laughs>